one, two, three. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'll edit that back together in unison. So it sounds <laughs> like we've made our Blue Peter style greeting simultaneously. Uh, this is the Express Results Bulletin for Which Decade, Episode 7. And I'm pleased to say that the voting turnout for this episode was higher than ever before. And we had an absolute bumper crop of comments. So many thanks to all that left them. I've got a couple of general comments about the episodes in total. Malcolm, the break doctor, he says, what a delight this episode. Just joyful memories, awesome music, top quality, almost too hard to rank these songs. Thank you, Malcolm. And uh, Alison, Alison says, love the podcast binged all episodes in a week and so happy i can finally vote welcome to the family allison right let's crack on with the results from episode seven in ascending order so in last place earning minus one points for the 2000s issues by the saturdays boo this did so badly Right, two people did actually place it third. Everyone else, it was either meh or it was worst. So rather than arguing with the uh, few people who thought that one of the later songs, Brian Adams and Mel C, was boring, I I don't want to argue with those guys. These two comments made my week about the Saturdays. Break Doctor describing the Saturdays as bargain bin was, at that point, the best thing that I'd read all week. Until I then read Centuries of Sound saying, being this dull is a worse crime than being bad, which I think is one of the best things that I've ever read, period. Yeah, he also called it relentlessly beige, didn't he? Uh, The only thing that wakes me from a torpor, he says, is the jarring rhyme of issues and miss you. Yeah, fair comment. This word beige comes up a lot, doesn't it? Mark said... I can actually name a few Saturday songs and could hum a couple and not just their cover of Just Can't Get Enough. I think this is a very decent bit of almost mid-paced moodiness. However, Jeff said, I can find no evidence they ever existed, even after I listened and asked Alexa to play their top tracks. That's what I said last time, that if you told me that the Saturdays never existed, I would believe you, I think, that it was all a mirage. The Mandela effect, yeah. Right, into the Met Zone. In the Met Zone, we have, for the 1960s, Man from Man and Fox on the Run. Uh, David sort of said some nice things about it. David said, I'm sticking up for the 60s, as this seems to have become an earworm. It's a good tune that went on to become a bluegrass standard and was also a country hit for Tom T. Hall. In pop terms, though, it does lack a middle eight. And yes, the silly snobs got bored with having hit, so split up, only to return as a slightly more credible covers band doing Springsteen and, oh yeah, even more Bob Dylan. Anyway, respect to Liverpool's Tony Hazard, who wrote this, and ha-ha, said the clown, and is 80 this year. David, I have to agree, Fox on the Run was the most unshakable earworm. I had it for about three days consecutively. Doesn't make it a good record, though. Now, how do I pronounce this guy's name? I'm going with Mamoobal. Mamoobal says... It's unremarkable generic 60s. Yes, the Saturdays are a bit unremarkable generic noughts. But like Mike, if the band aren't bothered, then they probably prefer it bottom anyway. While Asta said, it's no blinded by the light, is it? It's not even a mighty Quinn. Right, also in the Met Zone, but only just in the Met Zone, it got very close to going top three. Calvin Harrison, Rag and Bowman for the 2010s with Giant. James, Centuries of Sound, he said... 
The Calvin Harris parts here are excellent, but sullied slightly by Rag and Bone Man's embarrassing, hoary 60s soul singer pastiche. Also, I'm afraid my favourite Calvin Harris single is Summer. It will be terrible on a dance floor, but I just find it to be this immense, beautiful failure. Hoary Rory? Is that what we're going to call Rag and Bone Man from now on? Hoary Rory. Hoary Rory. Is that his real name, Rory? Yeah. Uh, you're good on real names. Alex says, I have listened again and again to try to work out why I don't like this more than I do. It just seems so flat and one-dimensional and lacking dynamics, despite having stuff that should really leap out. The trombones, the hammered stabs, the overwrought bellowing. I'm probably doing Rag and Bone Man a massive injustice, as I've only heard a couple of things he's done, but he only seems to have one gear. That's what I said about Mel C, actually. And Mark simply says, for my purposes, one Joe Cocker was one too many. I did actually play this out for the first time the week after we did the show. And because I felt like being clever, I sort of segued it into the Purple Disco Machine remix, which is good. Our people went for it. People loved it. It's a big tune. And I mean, realistically, anything that Purple Disco Machine has done is just always head nodding. It's really well made stuff. Some of it's some of Purple Disco Machine's a bit of a tapping, but his remixes are very, very good. Yeah, he just won a Grammy as well. I think that's incredibly unfair on Joe Cocker as well, I would say. (laughs) Joe Cocker is great. Let's park that one for a future episode. Into the top three and just scraping into third place. Biowhisker, earning one point for the 1980s. Holly Johnson's Love Train. Interestingly, over half of the voters placed Love Train in the Met zone. It actually had the most mess of all of them. However, nobody played it last. So altogether, it was enough to make it top three. Asta said, I should say Asta lives in Canada, so she's culturally disadvantaged with what she says. Holly, who? She asks. I asked a few pals and I'm not alone, which is not a reason to dismiss this song. No, I'm dismissing it because it's boring. The 80s has so much better than this. Alison says... Okay, I agree with what you guys say about how perhaps it was because you loved it at the time that you appreciate it now. Being slightly too young to know it at the time, I don't really feel anything for this one. Malcolm liked it, though. He just said, pure embodiment of the late 80s. Love it. And, Nick, you and I will be dancing to Love Train tomorrow night because it's my birthday due, and I've got Rory Hoy, who does the signature tune for this show. He's DJing on my behalf. He's doing a special late 80s, three hours late 80s set that recreates what I played when I was a club DJ. That will be a great set. Rory's an excellent DJ anyway, but that playlist sounds... I, I would love to be there. It's not that I'm too big for it. It's just that I'm too old to DJ until four in the morning after going to a party. <laughs> I, I would just like to clarify, by the way, I won't be dancing to anything. Oh, Nick. <laughs> we'll see about I, that. I, w- I will be singing along at the top of my voice, but I won't be doing any dancing. Thank you. <laughs> I've bumped it up onto the A-list, especially. Right, second place. There's a big jump in the scores at this point. Earning two points for the 1990s. Brian Adams and Melanie C, When You're Gone. This was our most divisive tune because it earned all of the places. It placed first, second, third, met and worst but it had enough positives to bring it in in second place so craig says i hated this one at the time and my opinion has not mellowed with age this is as beige oh here we go again this is as beige as music gets and although it has two vocalists they don't work together well enough to make it a duet 
dull. Can you hate something that's beige? That's like hating boiled cauliflower. Or Cathedral City. I was just about to bring the Cathedral City back. You can't <laughs> hate it, can you? Well, he didn't say he hated it. He just found he it. He said dull. I hated it at the time and I'm not mellow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I, true. I, I'm implying from that that he hates it. Now, I said I was going to not argue with these people who didn't like Brian Adams and Mel, and here I am arguing. You know, I, you're right, mate. You, you have your. That's cool. It's fine. You have passed it correctly. Well, Alison starts in the same way. Well, she says, I hated this when it was first out for being incredibly uncool. But with the wisdom of age, I've come to appreciate songs which aren't musically cool, but make people happy. And anyone can belt this one out. So you see, Alison's been on a journey. Alex says, this avoids my duets going to run 101 rule, as it's nowhere near the template of man over remote verse one, woman over remote verse two, duo over remote over each other in verse three. I'm wondering what my younger self might say if he knew that I'd voted this top. And even my older self is a little taken aback. They sound like they're absolutely having a whale of a time performing this. And I love the feel of it. It creates a fantastic good time bar band sound without sounding like some god awful good time bar band. The Hammond and the drumming really flows. So there, I've laid some of my own too cool for school regrets to rest. Although, how did the line, even food don't taste so good, make it through? Why even food? Surely just now my food or man my food or just oh my food. If if he's, he sounds like a student of over-emoting, he needs to hear the uh, next episode, doesn't he? Because there is some serious over-emoting coming up. I think that's true of all Brian Adams. All Brian Adams stuff sounds like good quality bar band having a good time. Apart from the balance. I played this one out last Friday. I, I dug myself into a hole because I had a request for Cascada. Every time we touch, I know where to go after that. So I did a hard reset with uh, When You're Gone. And it took the floor with it. So definitely going to play that one again. Right. Well, it's another big jump. First place. Three points the 1970s. Earth, Wind and Fire, September. Everyone except Nick had it at least in their top three. And even then, only one person put it third and over half of you placed it first. So not the C of number threes I expected, but a very strong result. James, Centuries of Sound said, obviously great. I enjoy it a great deal, but I just find it hard to connect with for some reason. I prefer my disco with a dash of melancholy and there's none here. I read that comment and I can't think of that many melancholy disco songs because I thought it was a really interesting comment. I'm like going, Ottawan, hands up. That's pretty upbeat. Boogie Wonderland is pretty upbeat. YMCA is pretty upbeat. Eye to eye contact. Um, I mean, I, I, I could go on forever with disco. But you're speaking from a Bobby Jazzler uh, 90s retro night perspective. Disco is probably my desert island musical genre. And the best of disco, beautiful songs, lots of great wailing divas, and a huge number of them do have that undertone of melancholy. Three examples, please. I've got one. If I can't have I you, I want nobody, baby. No, I think that's still, that's just a love song. I don't think it's melancholy. Well, it is. If I if, if I can't have you, I don't want nobody. Uh, yeah. You think it's a break? It's they've split up. All right, all right. I I thought the context of that was, isn't it great we're together? Anyway, carry on. Gene Calm. What's that? All it was. Right. Beautiful song uh, written in the aftermath of the one night stand. Oh, that's fine. One more then, if I'm letting you have the first one. I will survive. 
Uh, say I will survive is positive. She's going, I don't need no, you get, you're, you're gone. I think I will survive isn't melancholy. It's well upbeat. I think that's a, that's a really positive, empowering song as a part from melancholy. So the motion is not passed. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, do please comment with your favourite examples of melancholy disco. Let's move on to Alex, who says, the podcast hasn't yet featured a song that means as much to me as this does to you. My nearest moment to being upset and enraged was your barking mad concept that the Mark Armand remake of Something's Got an Hold of My Heart was superior to the original, and I hadn't even ever heard the original before. I think I might like the idea of Earth, Wind and Fire a bit more than the reality. This just doesn't thrill me as much as many other great disco tracks, despite the ever-fantastic vocals. I'd go for Boogie Wonderland over this. Now, they've been a bit meh so far, these comments, so we'll leave it to Asta to say something positive. She says... Talking about her and her husband, we don't really acknowledge Valentine's Day, but we have agreed to go to a dinner dance on Saturday where couples have been asked in advance to state their song. This is ours. I can guarantee the whole room will be dancing to it. Slagging off Nick about this would be too easy. This song is miles ahead of anything else on this week's list. Nick, do you feel a bit unjustifiably got at with the response to your September madness? I've tried leaving the house a couple of times. I got egged the first time I sat on the side of the front door. I got egged by a baying crowd at the end of the cul-de-sac, and I haven't been out since. Is so it right that the Sun newspaper hung an effigy of you from a lamppost? Yeah. Exactly. In many ways, I regret giving them your address. I mean, the night of the 21st of September, I'm going to just have to lock myself in the house, aren't I? And just, you know, hope for the best. You have triggered a memory. The Friday night after that episode, I had a really great crowd. It was a really good night. And about four people came up and requested September. But one of them, and she came up several times. Every time she came up and she said, can you play that 21st day of September? Do you remember me saying that in like 40 years, I'd never noticed that it says 21st. It was, she was actually included in the song title when making her request. I felt a bit kind of trolled. I thought the podcast hadn't even been published yet. I think that you explained your misgivings very clearly in that you said September isn't actually much of a song. I mean, it is more of a groove than a song. And it strikes me that you are a song guy far more than you are a groove guy. If anything, I'm on the opposite end of the equation. I can forgive an iffy song if the groove is great. Do you think that's the DJ in you? Because I think that's what it is with me. I, mm. I, I, a lot of music for me, I almost think in the context of a tool for the job. Mm. There are songs that I absolutely love that I just can never, ever play. Doesn't stop me loving them. But the 99% of tunes, I'm like going, oh, I like this. And it would work for... You know, is it the DJ? There are also perfectly good, strong, quality songs that I don't connect with because I'll find the arrangement a bit generic and unimaginative. I get that a lot with um, Americana. It's the sort of stuff that always gets featured in the dad rock magazines like Uncut, Mojo. Yeah, they might be great songs, but God, I've heard that packing a million times over. So I just tune oh, see, Give me the generic. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> send off, sand off the edges. Give me the radio DJ edit. Oh, yeah, I want it generic. I want it following the rules. Don't throw in an extra phrase there. Jesus Christ. I don't want a reputation of being a contrarian, but I do think that as these episodes go on, there are going to be more and more unpopular opinions that people are going to have an issue with. That's my concern. When we get to the Beatles, 
I just, I never, never going to leave the house again. I don't think so. Well, again, in, there's um, a band coming up in this next one that certainly, from your response when we were discussing who had been done on the Wheel of Fortune, I'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to say about a particular band coming up because uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, ready to fall off it. Nice little teaser, little teaser info for you there. Right, let's feed those results into the master scoreboard. Let's see what we have. Still in last place, still with one point, the 2010s. Dropping a place to number five with three points, the 2000s. Going up a place to number four with four points, the 1990s. Then we have a significant gap. And our top three decades, which are our oldest three decades, are only a point apart. And they've all retained the positions that they had last time. So still at number three, the 1970s eight points still at number two the 1980s nine points still just at number one the 1960s 10 points 60s has had its lead shaved recently hasn't it it has actually yeah manfred man didn't help and again without giving too much away i think it might find the next episode a bit problematic in terms of retaining its leads but i don't want to get ahead of myself speaking of the next episode We're going to go off now and actually record it. So I'll leave it there with the results bulletin and we'll be back in a couple of days time with the main event. Bye for now.